Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Today, we're going to finish uh, this series on taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. How did you do this week? Did you do better? Guys, I did better. I was so proud of myself. I had a road rage person harassing me. At 6.45, who gets road rage at 6.45? It's too early to be angry, right? Too early? This guy's mad. I don't know why he's mad. He's running up on me. He's swerving, trying to... I'm like, there's a concrete truck in front of me. I can't go anywhere. It's a one-lane road. What do you want me to do? Got my daughters in the car. So I was very well behaved. I was so proud of myself. Because this guy was cussing me and showing me his longest fingers and all kinds of stuff. I mean, and I didn't even say anything I regretted. I didn't swerve at him. Oh, Jay, I was so proud. I didn't wave my pistol. Nothing. <laughs> Listen, road rage people are idiots. You don't know what I've got in my car. You don't know how many rounds are in there. You don't know how badly I need p- some target practice. You don't want to run up on somebody nowadays. It's crazy. There are certain things that if you hear an accusation against me, you should dismiss them. But if you hear me jacking a fool up, you probably might want to believe that one. Anyway, I'm not a sissy pastor, (laughs) but I behaved in front of my daughters and I was really proud. No, for real, I did better this week with my tongue. Did anybody else do better this week? Okay, anybody else totally blow it? Couple of you, that's okay, it's work in progress, work in progress. Last week we talked about uh, how uh, James, Jesus' brother, said, if you don't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. Uh, he said that your tongue is evil beyond all measure and is set on fire by hell itself. Uh, Jesus, in, in Matthew 12, said that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And, and we learn in Proverbs that life and death are in the power of our tongue. We were made in God's image. We have the ability to release either life or death, blessing or cursing. We were made in the image of the creator to be creators. You have the opportunity to create. Uh, I want to go a little deeper into this today, and I want to specifically talk about why it's so important to the Father that your mouth operates properly. So I want you to look at this passage. This is James chapter 3 again, verse 7. We'll go a little further. He says, For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed or can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. This is so hope-giving right now. No man can tame the tongue. Now, this isn't saying that you can't tame your own tongue. It's saying that you can't tame someone else's tongue. And everyone who's married said amen. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Watch this. With it, we bless our God and Father. We just had a beautiful moment singing beautiful songs, blessing our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the image of God. 
Have you ever gotten angry at someone pulling out of the church parking lot? Have you, listen, I had someone cut me off in traffic. I'm talking bad, like bad cut me off in traffic on a Sunday morning. And I kept my cool and I was so glad I did because I followed them all the way to church and they pulled into the parking lot. And I was speaking that day. That'd have been bad, right? We bless our God, the father. We also curse people that were made by him. Watch out of the same mouth, proceed blessing and cursing my brothers. These things ought not be. So does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brothers bear olives or a grapevine bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. God is speaking through his servant James about the importance of we, his people, being congruent with what comes out of our mouths. Last week we talked about how out of your mouth you sow seeds and you will eat the fruit. It says life and death are in the power of the tongue and whoever loves it will be filled with its fruit. Your belly will be filled with the fruit of what comes out of your mouth. And if you don't like what you're eating, it might be because you're sowing the wrong kind of seeds. So it's important that we understand that we need to be producing good fruit out of our mouths. In the same passage where Jesus is calling the, uh, the Pharisees vipers is where he says that out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. He calls them vipers because they're so vile on the inside. And he says, you judge a tree by its fruit. And then he goes on to say that you will be judged for every word that comes out of your mouth. We will stand before God for what comes out of our mouth. So it's so important that we recognize that God made us powerful and our mouths are our greatest power source. And what is in our heart will come out of our mouths. What is in our hearts will come out of our mouths. Look how James continues in verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Check that out. Where envy and selfishness exist. Th th those don't even sound that bad. A little selfishness. A little self-seeking. One translation says selfish ambition. A, a little bit of envy. Oh man, I wish I had that. I, I wish I would have that opportunity. I really want that opportunity. A little, just that little bit. If we open our hearts for envy and selfish ambition, self-seeking, James declares in God's word that all Confusion and every evil thing are already present. Man, we got to guard our hearts. That's why the, the proverb, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, was so serious about talking about guarding your heart for out of it flows the issues of life, the wellspring, the vitality of life flows out of your heart. And you've got to guard your heart because what's in your heart affects your faith. What's in your heart, I'm going to say that again, affects your faith. What's in your heart comes out your mouth. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. 
What comes out of your heart comes out of your mouth and affects your faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the attitudes and the contents of our heart affect our level of faith and affect our level of having the ability to even please the God who made us. So important. First John chapter three, verse 20, this is an amazing passage. It says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What does that mean? It means you can't pull one over on God. You can lie to other people. You can lie to yourself. You can't pull one over on God. In fact, in some of my research studying positive psychology and, and studying the power of words and how it affects your physiology and your body and your personal health, one of the things I learned is, is, is how dangerous it is to lie to yourself. Because even though you may be able to convince and deceive yourself here, you cannot deceive yourself here. And your body literally revolts against itself. It's why it's so important. And guys, come on, I grew up Christian. I grew up with all the Christianese. How you doing, man? I'm just blessed and highly favored of the Lord. My above and not behind the, the, the head and not the tail. Who? hallelujah. And all these, listen, positive confession is important. But so is honesty. And if you got duct tape holding your car together, You can declare the future, but you can't be in denial of what you're actually going through. And nothing wrong with duct tape holding the car together for a season because I've been there too, right? But it's important that it's congruent. So just scientifically speaking, what you have to do is you have to declare something out of your mouth that's a true positive that you actually believe or it works in reverse, it doesn't build your faith. It contradicts your faith because you're lying to your own heart. So you have to find something in the middle of a problem in your family, a, a kid going astray, a, a marriage that's on the rocks. I don't want to sit there and, and say how horrible the marriage is because that's going to not be good for my future. But I also can't lie to myself about it. I've got to find something that's true and real about the future of my marriage and anchor myself to that. Something true and real about the future of my child and anchor myself to that. You can't lie to yourself and think it's faith. It's got to be true. It's got to be his word. So you can say, no, 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 we are going to make it. God did put us together. I know it's bad right now. You can't be in denial of the bad right now. It's bad right now, but it's going to be better and God's gonna get us through this and we're not going our separate ways. We're gonna make it. Come on, guys. You've gotta find a way in the midst of the storm to acknowledge the storm but declare the future. That's real faith. It's real faith. God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. Beloved, it says, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 
If your heart doesn't condemn you, guys, this is why what's in your heart affects your faith. If your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence with God. And whatever you ask of him will be done. Come on, that's a promise now. That's from John, the apostle who was so close to Jesus. The the one that was on the innermost inner circle with Jesus. Says that if you can get into a place where your heart doesn't condemn you, you can have crazy confidence with God. Think of something you're really confident in. Tiffany's really confident on those keys. Singing, she's really confident. Randy is really confident when it comes to selling insurance. He's world famous. The president. Just ask him. One of the best in the world. Super confident. What are you really confident in? And then ask yourself, why are you confident in that thing? You're confident in that thing because you've practiced that thing. See, confidence doesn't just happen. You may be born with a certain amount of confidence, but that can get dashed real quick. Life will teach you a lesson or two. Life will humble you rapidly. I don't worry about needing to humble other people. I'm just like, give them a few years. The life will sort it out, right? You might think I'm cocky. You should have seen me 20 years ago. (laughs) I'm humble now. This is the humble version. You wouldn't have liked me 20 years ago. Oh my God, I was arrogant. Life will teach you some stuff. The things that you're confident in are the things that you've practiced. If you don't ever practice something, you can't expect to do good. You can't get mad if you don't do good at something you're not practicing. So my question is this, what are you practicing in your life? What are your personal practices and how do they affect your confidence with God? Because practice doesn't necessarily make perfect. You will be perfect one day when you get to heaven. Until then you need Jesus. That's why we should never get cocky about our spirituality. The only people that could not find favor with Jesus were the religious, arrogant, self-righteous people. Because they didn't think they needed him. They were so good at following the rules. You'll never not need Jesus. Doesn't matter how good you get at following rules. You will never not need Jesus. You'll never not need faith. That's why you should keep having grace for other people. See, we we get so good at practicing Christianity that we start looking down our noses at people that aren't where we are. Instead of remembering how badly we needed him and how badly we often still do. See, I, I really did. I did so good. Guys, normally, I don't go a whole day without apologizing to God for something I said. I think I might have made it three, four days in a row this week. Man, I'm working hard at this thing. My mouth gets me in trouble regularly, but I'm working on it. But I can't go get cocky about it because all it takes is one jerk on the road to make me revert. What if my daughters hadn't been in the car? 
I wonder how spiritual I'd have been then. Because I was in the middle of like, I've got a 16-year-old. I'm like, now, Sydney, I need to teach you a lesson. There's someone behind us who's acting irrationally, and I need you to understand when you're driving, if you have someone that's acting like this jerk right here, oh, my God. I had to hold it together. Start floating in my car, right? Because I got a kid in the car. Come on, guys. It's hard sometimes to keep our cool. It's hard not to, not to fault with our mouths, it's so easy. As I was praying this week, the Lord spoke two specific things to me. He spoke to me specifically about appetites and attitudes. Appetites and attitudes. And and the word that he gave me was that your appetites and your attitudes will affect your authority in the spirit. Your appetites and your attitudes will affect your authority in the spirit. See, I don't know if you realize this, but you don't really get to blame anything on the devil. Right? I mean, we often think about how we have uh, the, you know, the, the two little, the, the angel on one side and the, the demon on the other side, and you're being, the, the, the devil does tempt you. Now, you, you do understand also that, that God doesn't tempt you. You don't get to blame it on God. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you letting me? You don't get to blame it on God. And, and, you, and, you, and you don't get to blame it on the devil. He, he will tempt you. But he can only tempt you where you give him room. Anybody, anybody this week get tempted to go knock over a bank? It's not your issue. Somebody somewhere was tempted this week to knock over a bank. Because that's their issue. He can't tempt you where there's no room. Some people would never be tempted to do drugs. Never, it's, listen, it is never, ever, ever, I never would ever, ever go, God, I really could use a cigarette right now. It's just not my thing. I'm not judging you if it's yours. You may really have to fight that battle and you got your kids looking at you going, dad, quit, whatever. That may be your thing, Izzy. But, but I'm just joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. The drummer, come on, the drummers. You always gotta watch the drummers, you know? Gotta watch the drummers. They're the rowdy one in the band. Just playing around. No, but come on, it's not my thing. The devil's not gonna tempt me with a cigarette. He, he knows where I'm weak. He knows the button to push. He knows yours too. And we have different buttons. He can't push me with your button and he can't push you with mine. He knows yours. So you don't get to blame your temptation on him because he's only tapping into where you're weak. I'm just gonna stick with James, Jesus' brother this week because he's so good. Watch this. Let no one, versus James 1, verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God does not get tempted, and he is not tempted, it does not tempt. But each one, watch this, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own evil desires. It's your desire. It's your flesh. That's why God, listen, God's not mad at you if you mess up. He gave you that flesh. Some of you need to just sink into that. Let that sink in. 
He gave you the flesh he gave you. He knew where your weaknesses would be. He's the potter, you're the clay. Did you know that when the potter makes the vessel and puts it in the fire, they all crack somewhere? They don't necessarily all fall apart, but when you heat the clay, it dries and it cracks. And then the next thing the potter does is he pulls it out of the heat and he puts a seal over it, a glaze over it. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the seal of our inheritance. So when you get saved and you receive the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of the living God comes and seals your life, he doesn't erase the cracks. The flaw is still there. Your frailty is still there. If your temptation is gossip, it's still there. If it's lying, it's still there. If it's stealing, cheating, it's still there. You're a Christian that has that fault that has been sealed over by the Holy Spirit and God says, you know what? I can use her anyway. And I'll be glorified by using a faulty vessel that I have myself sealed. See, that's why none of us can get cocky about how much God uses us because you're all cracked. You're all cracked. And God seals us. It says each one of us are led away by our own evil desires. Watch this. Then when desire has conceived, so your desire actually reproduces. Your desire impregnates. And it conceives. And it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. It's the process. It's why our heart affects our faith. Because what's going on inside of our heart, these evil desires, the enemy is, is, is picking on our weaknesses. And if we're not careful and if we don't go to battle against these practices that steal our confidence and replace them with practices that build our confidence with God, the enemy can bring us into a place where he impregnates us with sin in the area that we want it anyway. And when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. Matthew 28, Jesus said this. He said, all authority, verse 18, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Remember I said your attitudes and your appetites affect your authority. Why is authority important? Authority is important because it's part of the master plan. Jesus said all authority, the word in Greek is exousia. Exousia, it means executive power. I'm the president. I'm the commander in chief, Jesus says. I have all executive power. Now, Go and make disciples of every nation. I'm giving you, I'm releasing to you my executive power, my authority. God designed you to wield his authority. Man, that is really good news for somebody today. God designed you to wield his authority. It's part of the master plan. Anybody like being in charge? Anybody ever had a really bad boss? I've had a couple. 
bad bosses. It's no fun to work for someone that's abusive, that, that misuses the authority that they have in their life. Yet we also have to constantly come back to the place where we recognize that if the Bible is true, first of all, let's start there. Do we believe the Bible is true? Then all authority is given by God. And every person that's put in a position of power is in a position of power by God's authority. So to kick against the authority that God has put in place is to kick against God himself. That's why, that's why it talks about how husbands and wives should submit to each other because God has given each of you authority in each other's lives. And if you'll intermingle and bring unity into that authority, then together you will be 10 times more effective than you can ever be apart. It's, it's why for, for you for four years, maybe eight years, to say not my president is just stupid. You might as well say not my God. I don't care if you like him. I don't even know if I like him. Says crazy stuff. But he's only in that position because God allowed it and put him in that position. And if you fight against him, you fight against God. And if you don't like that, just wait. Because I'll get a little bolder. Listen, I'm sick and tired of Christians. Drives me crazy, Christians. They won't get behind just because they don't understand that God's actually still in control. He's still in control. I'm not mad at nobody. Don't be mad at me neither. Come on, we're believers. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ. See, I've had people that have been in charge in my life, in different seasons of my life, that I could not see at the time why God allowed them to be in charge in my life at the time. But later down the road, I could see, oh, Father, that's what you were up to. And if he can do it with a penny any little boss somewhere, he can do it with the president. I'm just saying, man, you better hear from God this election season and not some stupid news channel that's lying to you. They're lying to you, all of them. Both of them, all of them. Both sides are lying to you. If they're a politician, they're lying to you. If they're in journalism, they're lying to you. They're all liars. They have their own agendas. It's not free press. It's a corporation. Somebody owns it. They have an agenda. 
It's not God's agenda. You better hear God's agenda. You better hear from Father. Not Bill O'Reilly or Anderson Cooper or any of those other crazy. You better hear from the Father about what the Father is up to. Because if you don't, then you're just a fool with no connection to your Father. I wish I could play the piano and make a beautiful atmosphere. create atmosphere I've made up my mind I'm willing to tick people off to tell the truth I'm not a politician I'm not supposed to be politically correct. Jesus was not politically correct. Have you read your Bible? Jesus said crazy stuff and ticked people off on purpose. Jesus called someone of a mixed race a dog. Why? Because he wanted to see what was in her heart. He offended her on purpose to see what was in her heart, to see if she would let a racial offense steal away her kingdom blessing. Hmm, Someone needs to listen to that. Are you going to let somebody else say something that offends you so much You lose out on what Jesus is trying to do in your life. We cannot give people that much power. Either God defines us or he doesn't. And if we're going to allow what other people think and what other people say about us carry more weight than what our father says about us, then the enemy will easily rob you from what God wants to do in your life. I'm not saying there's not stuff that's wrong. There's stuff that's wrong, guys. But if we move into the place of operating in offense, the enemy has trapped us. Big question today is, what is sapping your strength is there something in your life that's sapping your strength is there an attitude that's in your heart is there an appetite that's in your heart something that you're feeding that's sapping your strength man i i i love pancakes but it's not about the pancake it's about the maple syrup Because you could put maple syrup on bacon and sausage. Oh my, have you not, have you not done this yet? (laughs) 
it, it's, it's amazing. My daughter doesn't like maple syrup, and I, I don't even think she's mine. I th- I, we got to figure something out. I don't know what to think here. But, but when you sap a tree, you screw into the tree. A maple tree, you screw into the tree, and, and, and you bore into the center of it, and there's an opening, and it begins to drain out, drip by drip, little by little. Doesn't kill the tree, it just starts draining it. And, the, and listen, let me tell you, the enemy comes, Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. He will ultimately destroy you, but he's happy stealing from you. He's happy just dripping you dry. And he'll lead you into things in your life that your own flesh already wants. Attitudes, appetites. He'll lead you into things. Come on, guys, I'm talking about, it could be stuff that's not even a sin. Oh, Christians are so good at defining, well, this is a sin and that's a sin and this is a sin and that's, and this is a sin, this is, no, no, no. The Bible defines a sin as this, what you know you should do, but don't. We don't get to define it. Because Jesus himself, God himself, will speak to you and say, not for you. I don't want this in your life. But they get to, it's not about them, it's about you. I don't want this in your life. Because if this is in your life, I know the enemy will bore into it. And he'll drip you, drip you, drip you, drip you, drip you. And he'll sap your authority. He'll sap your strength. He'll sap the power that I want you to walk in because you've allowed this thing in your life that somebody else can do and be fine, but not you because your calling is different than their calling. So where are your appetites and attitudes out of balance? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. I, I, I wouldn't normally call myself an angry person, but I can get angry. I've dealt with rage in my lifetime. I've dealt with unforgiveness. I've dealt with bitterness. I, I've, I've dealt with offense. I'm a pretty happy, go-lucky kind of guy, but I got, some, I got some rage in me. I got some fire in me. And, and I have to work on attitudes. I gotta work on it. I gotta work on appetites. Not a single person out there would look at me and think I might have missed a meal sometime. I'm a good eater. I was the kid, I was the kid that would go to my little friend's house and every mom was like, Johnny, why can't you be a good eater like Joel? Joel eats anything. I was that kid. Really good eater. God has designed you to wield his authority. So we're going to figure out how we overcome. How do we tame our tongue? <clears throat> because what I can tell you is that you're not going to win. The, 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 battle, the battle for the tongue is won in the heart. Can I say it that way? You don't win the battle for your tongue in your head. You have to win it in your heart. And we already discussed that 
both out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by his word. So, so your, 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 listen, your tongue and your heart are intricately connected. See, I, I have two biceps, I got two forearms, I got two pecs, two glutes, two calves, two, I got two, two eyes, two ears, two nose holes. You have one tongue. You have one heart. Both of them are muscles. Both of them are powerful. Now what's interesting is that your tongue has two sides that are basically identical. So, so it, it has two parts. You ever known someone who had a forked tongue? Not literally, but they spoke out of both sides. The enemy would love you to be real snaky. Same thing, a divided heart, your heart has two equal sides. So it's one unit, has two sides, but your heart and your tongue are like this. And if you're gonna defeat, if you're gonna tame your tongue, it's gonna connect, your heart and your tongue have to get in sync. Let me read this passage, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, they're not natural, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Stronghold, uh, the definition of the word stronghold is a castle of thoughts, a fortified castle of thoughts in your mind. That's a stronghold. Casting down arguments and every high thing. Arguments and high things, those are attitudes that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity until it's obedient to Christ. So, so what we see here is the process of how the enemy takes over your life. It starts with a thought. Then it becomes an attitude. A, a thought that doesn't get taken captive will become an attitude. He didn't say hi to me. Why wouldn't he say hi to me? I mean... What does he think he's better than me? Probably thinks he's better than me. What a jerk. I'll show him. I'm not gonna say out of him now. And, and you go back and forth and, and, and it's a high place that becomes an argument and now, now, it's, now it's litigation. Now you've got all the proof because you've got, you've got an argument that you've set up of why this, this, and this. And it was an imagination that if you're not careful will become a castle in your mind. And the enemy wants to erect castles of, of poisonous thought in your mind that starts with a little thought. It calls it a vain imagination. A vain imagination. Taking, thought, taking every thought captive, every vain imagination that exalts itself above the image of Christ. We have to take those things captive. How do you win the battle in your mouth? You have to learn how to tame your tongue with your tongue. What does that mean? That means all those things that you're not supposed to be saying, you start saying the opposite. Father, I thank you for that driver in traffic. God, I know that he's your child. God, I don't want him to die. Help him. If he does, Father, would you save him first before he runs straight into that cement truck? Will you save that horrible? You gotta find a way to use your tongue to tame your tongue. Because if you just keep letting it run, it's going to run. If you keep feeding your heart with the wrong stuff, if you keep building up the enemy's type of faith, you believe what the enemy wants, 
You're saying what he wants you to say? See, the Bible says very clearly that the weapon of, that we do fight with is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the rhema spoken, declared prophetic word of God. Your tongue, it, it's why I didn't plan on having a prophetic word at the beginning of this service. That wasn't something I, I was just over there praying in the spirit. And all of a sudden I began to hear words inside of my heart that God wanted to speak and release over you. Timothy was told by Paul to wage war with prophecy. The sword of the spirit is prophecy. It's declaring God's word, declaring what God is saying right now in your life. What is God saying? When you read the scriptures, what is he saying? You've got to declare his word over your life, over your marriage, over your children, over your finance, over your business, over your education. You've got to declare what God is saying. The enemy wants to destroy you with your own tongue. And you've got to take authority in your life. No one else can tame your tongue, but you actually can. If you'll align your tongue with God's word and you'll declare his word over your life, you'll declare what he's saying over those people. Instead of cursing, you bless them. Instead of death, it's life. Sounds really simple, sounds really easy. But you have to actually do it. Those thoughts pop up. No, I forgive them. Father, right now, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Come on, God, you ever been in one of those cycles? where you can't stop thinking about some jerk and you can't get out of the bad mood and you're literally in a cycle and you're tormenting yourself. And this is the only way to break that cycle. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for that person. God, I ask you to bless him in the name of Jesus. I know they were a jerk, but you love jerks, Father. You love me. You love them. God, I ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Save them, reveal yourself to them. Father, I'm not gonna hold this grudge against them. God, I bless them, I release them. In Jesus' name, love them. I'm not gonna hold on to this offense anymore. Two seconds later, it pops back in your head. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for that special, special person that you love so much, God. And according to faith in you, I love them too. Somehow, Father, I know I do, in Jesus' name. Don't like them, but I love them. But right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I bless them. And it pops up again. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this person that I know you love. You have to win the battle in your mouth with your mouth by declaring the truth of the Holy Spirit in your heart out of your mouth. I'm gonna give you five specific things. They all start with a D. I think they're gonna throw up on the screen. You take pictures of them, whatever. Number one, disobey your thoughts, attitudes, and appetites. You have to starve them out. You gotta starve them out. If you keep feeding it, it gets stronger. Starve it, you gotta disobey. Number two, disagree out loud with the mindset, the high place, the stronghold. You have to disagree out loud. Uh, listen, don't do this in front of people. They already think you're nuts. Don't do it in front of people. I, I used to literally, this is funny, but I used to, when I would get into a funk at work, I would take a bathroom break. Nowhere else to go. Nowhere to hide. I'd take a bathroom break. Get my Bible out. Go sit down, talk to Jesus. Make sure I wash my hands on the way out just in case, even though I didn't do anything. 
I would go hide for a second and go have a moment and get right and declare and get my heart back because I was working at the time in a place that was really contentious and, and, and had a lot of opportunity for mess up, for, for offense. Number three, defy the old way of thinking and speaking. You have to disagree, disobey, disagree, and defy. You, you've got to get a little aggressive. You're not going to win being a sissy. You have a violent enemy. Bible says that the violent will take it by force. Number four, declare your new attitudes and your new appetites. No, this is what I desire. This is what I'm going to desire. This is where I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to think. I'm no longer going to submit myself to that. This is the new me. This is the true me. I'm not, come on. We've got to disassociate with the flesh. The flesh is not your true self. Your flesh is temporary. It doesn't get to go to heaven in its current state. The true you is the spirit, the spirit you. You get a new body. Mine's gonna be tall. <laughs> Just thick hair, man. I mean, mountains of hair, tall. Only on my head, though. Declare your new attitudes and appetites. Last one, direct the new course of your life. Set a brand new direction with what comes out of your mouth. Direct your life with what comes out of your mouth. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is who I'm going to be. I'm not continuing down that path anymore. Some practical things. But guys, if we're gonna walk in the authority that God wants us to walk in, we have to win the battle here and here. We gotta win the battle. And he's given us the weapon to win it with. It's the declared prophetic word of God. Amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we wanna invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.